0: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race, hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
1: From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdat Recaps His Dark Materials with Peter Sagal. I'm Greta Johnson. And I'm Trisha Bobita, And we are joined by Peter Sagal.
0: I have a question. (laughs) My question is, what did you... And the listening audience feel about the new Peter Sagal of last week's show, (laughs) i.e. a Peter Sagal who would not viciously harsh on every aspect of this television show that we presume our (laughs) listeners enjoy, but would instead try to be positive and or silent as the circumstances depict. Did we we enjoy that? what's, What's the verdict?
1: So I actually heard through a common friend of Trisha's that the word Trisha used was Creepy, I think. Creepy. Actually. Is, all that, right. is that true, Tricia?
2: I don't recall this at all, in fact, but that doesn't mean that I didn't say it. I <laughs> it think the things that, that I please. like about it are Peter using harsh as a verb. I like that very much. Yes. You ever <laughs> heard that before? Uh, I, do find, I do find the two positive peter a little unsettling because it's just so different from what i know it's almost as if you've lost your demon (laughs) or something in a weird
0: way i'm wandering around i do have the haircut for a person who's lost (laughs) we're going to get to that later on yes
1: so today we're recapping season one episode six of his dark materials it was called demon cages and it was generally pretty creepy i I just want to say say. it was my
0: my favorite sting album was the demon cages (laughs) That <laughs> is an <laughs> throwback. obscure
1: joke. Yeah. I don't, I don't really get it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I once saw Sting in concert, so I like this joke. Thank wow, you.
1: Wow, really? Chris. I have questions, but we should probably just carry on with the television show, huh? Yes. We did actually get a voicemail about you, whinging. Should we just dive right in and listen Please. to it?
3: Hello, Nerdette. My name is Chris. I'm in Crown Point, Indiana, and I would like to meet Adam, a previous caller from Crown Point. But anyway, my demon is a white fuzzy rabbit with blue eyes named Fred. And this week, I would like to be Peter Sagel's pinch hit Winger because I think he and I were thinking the exact same things. The TV show is really watering down Lyra's character which probably makes sense if you want it to be a children's friendly show and also a parenting friendly show. But for adult readers, it's kind of a disappointment. So I would just like to encourage everyone who has not read the books to do so. And even better, listen to the audiobooks because they are fabulous. And Peter, keep on whinging. I love it.
0: All right. There's a there's a pro-whinge vote.
3: Yeah. There are
2: so many things I love about that voicemail. Yeah. I know. What
1: if Adam and Chris, like, what if we set them up? That would be the best. Yeah, I
2: Wouldn't think they that they're going to be nerd friends now. Okay. I'll, I'll, Should I'll we see start a Nerd at Crown Point, Indiana-specific dating app? <laughs>
0: <laughs> for fans of this podcast? <laughs> yeah.
2: You're swiping pictures of demons only. Oh. Hey. That's a great idea for a dating
1: app. That's actually post pretty post a amazing. picture of what you
0: imagine your demon would be. Yeah. And if people like your demon, that's oh my Oh, right. my God.
1: I like that a lot. Okay. So, most of the action of this episode obviously took place. In and around Bullvanger. Yes. Should we talk about the scene in normal life world just to kind of get it out of the way, and then we can go through the chronology of Bullvanger. It was. There was not much this week, which I wasn't sure how much we'd get. Although you
0: did get Hot Priest on a screen.
1: We did get Hot Priest on a screen. That's true. Which it was very exciting. In fact,
0: I'm not at this point. I, I can't even remember what the point of that scene was. What was the point of the scene? It came and went so quickly.
1: I mean, I think the point of the scene, we had the dudes in the van, yeah, creeper mustache, yeah. uh, talking about how they're not going to do anything yet because she knows they're watching and that's enough. Yeah. And then it established that Will is like definitely interested in like figuring out more about right. his father.
0: Yeah. And I'll also note that in the, um, you know, previously on *His Dark Materials, they replayed the narration that we talked about in last episode talking about how special this boy Will is. Mm-hmm. So they they really wanted us to know, boy, that Will, he is really important. Even you
1: though... You don't, there's
0: no, you've seen nothing to indicate his importance.
1: But trust <laughs> us, he is. That's a little whingy.
0: Yeah, I feel I feel full-on whinging coming on, just so people know. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, but as Trisha is saying, I think you're right that, like, the character development of that scene is actually pretty important because it means that he's he's becoming curious about the things that have yet to come, right? right?
2: Well, and I meant of John Perry, too. We see him as mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. sort of affable, sweet, science guy who is excited to tell his son about the adventures he's going on, and he mentions, I'm going to write some epic letters. And so it's also the indication to the bad guys who are trying to find out how they can find out what John Perry knows that letters should exist somewhere in the house. Dun,
0: dun, dun. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. So those letters are going to be perhaps, I mean, there might be a scene coming up in which the guys break in to find those letters because we're establishing that they're important, and these guys want to know something. And that might lead to a, mm-hmm. a, a confrontation of some kind mm-hmm. in which things are revealed.
1: Mm-hmm. Which and I must say,
2: though, things? seeing Andrew Scott, the actor who plays John Perry and also That's. Hot Priest from Fleabag, has another important role that often appears on screens where he is not, and that's Moriarty from BBC Sherlock. So this Mm -hmm. was giving me some Moriarty vibes, even though he seems very sweet in it. He does as Moriarty at first too, so now I'm all like, just because of Andrew Scott's you know, I am DB Page. I am now feeling a little unsettled by him.
0: I will say, I don't know what it says about this TV show that the character that at least you guys are most excited about has not yet appeared yet.
1: Well, <laughs> he did on in the YouTube videos.
0: Yes. Just then. Just then.
1: I would also like to thank both of you, Peter and Tricia, for discussing the Hot Priest just enough in these recaps episodes to inspire my mother to watch Fleabag faster. To get to season two when right. we actually see the hot priest.
0: And has she enjoyed Fleabag?
1: Yes. You know we, I care. She was she was in town last week and we, we watched some season two of Fleabag. It was that's
0: great. that's pretty that's pretty tame compared to the things you often watch together.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Bullvanger is terrifying. I think they did a very good job of establishing those scenes of yes. it's just like how scary this location is.
0: I may whinge a lot, but I will point out things that I liked, and the production design of Bullvenger is great.
1: Yeah, I think also just like that initial scene of Lyra walking in and seeing Roger and seeing how terrified Roger looked yeah. to see her. Yeah, I thought was really interesting. Yeah, well but
0: Roger, Roger, we have not talked about because he hasn't been in the show much of late. But that young actor is quite good.
1: Yeah, he has a very good scared face. Yes, he does. So from there, let's see. They take this girl named Bridget mm-hmm. and bring her into the severing. Yeah. And you see that very creepy, like nun nurse, yeah. Sister Clara. Yes. Oh, is that it? You got the
0: name. She seems very zealous. She seems very zealous. Yes. To like well, the kind of character who's And blips.
2: Demonless. She is Demonless. It seems. Yes. Oh
1: yes. Yeah, yeah. We find out later what was her demon's name? Was it Michael? Oh, she
0: mentioned it later.
1: Yeah. Yes. Nicholas. I mean, a, yeah. Nicholas.
0: There was there was the woman who was sort of the scientist like person who was running the equipment in charge yeah. of the machinery uh-huh. the
2: boozy scientist yeah boozy oh yeah she's scientist. she's
0: often seen with a drink in her hand you're yes, right yes and, and, but you're not talking about her you're talking about the much more sort of sisterly yeah matron yes. type she's
1: wearing sort of like yeah almost like a, orderly
2: a wimple? Like, this is yeah. the best place yeah. we
1: could possibly be yeah exactly. and, and then f- from there lyra or lizzie as she sort of is at this point mm-hmm. gets her measurements taken Yes. And she has a really interesting conversation with the doctor, who's not to be confused with Doctor Who, obviously.
2: What happens to the children that leave this place? Where do they go?
1: To a place for more grown-up children, of
3: course.
2: So they don't die? Don't cut their
1: demons away?
3: Lizzie, uh, this is a philosophical establishment, not a child chop house. Now may I take my picture?
1: I'm
0: going to say that the device that he was using, which looked to me like a dentist's x-ray machine, seemed a little out of place given the, and I'm going to say it right this time, steampunk (laughs) aesthetic of the show. It seemed weirdly clean and electronic Mm. in a way that we haven't yet seen. So I don't know about that. It was also a weird conversation because um, Lyra started by doing the thing that she had done with Mrs. Coulter saying, I know about dust. Mm -hmm. But when he's like, what do you know about dust? Instead of like going away. She backed off it. She said, yeah. oh, no, I'm, I'm very clean. There's no dust on me. Is it? Yes. Yeah, that was really clever.
1: Dust I thought that was cool. That was such a great example of, I think, I feel like in this episode in general, we saw a lot more of Lyra as she is in the books yes. in terms of thinking on her feet and, you know, jumping into chaos. Right. And she even has that fun.
0: line where she says, I'll do what I do best, which is cause chaos. Yes. And, and my reaction to that was, well, yes, that's what she does in the book. In the TV show so far, she's been... Less that, and much more passive, and being dragged
1: around. Yeah, well, I mean, this is a scene where it, it's really important for her to take charge, right? Yes. Like the whole point is, she comes in, she sees all these kids, she's like, "Uh-uh, this isn't going to work. People are right. coming. We got to get out of yeah.
0: here." And and the the sequence or chapter in the book that more or less uh, corresponds to this particular episode is, in many ways the best chapter in the book, I say, having recently read it, because it's the scene in which Lyra, who has been this character from the beginning in the book, this incredibly active, sort of not reflective, but just immediately acts kind of character, really comes into her own. That basically, this, what is she, 11, 12-year-old girl comes in and basically busts those kids out. And it's really great. And it seemed like they tried to give us that character in that Sequence without having established it beforehand. I wonder mm-hmm. if people who have, are watching the show, Trisha, for example, were like, "Oh, oh, who is me? That, you, you, for example. <laughs> Did you look at that that sequence of whole? You know, basically the whole episode. And like, and who going, is this? And going, oh wow, how come we haven't seen that before? It was like, yeah, that's Lyra. That's who we knew she was. What'd you think?
2: Um, that reminded me of the Lyra from like some of the very, very first scenes in Jordan College where Mm -hmm. it seems like when she's among other children, she is sort of instantly the ringleader, Yes, whether it's just Roger or, you know, she's running from roof to roof, but she also seemed to have sort of sway over all of the other folks who worked in the kitchens and then anyone she ran into in the hallways, you know, she was sassing the professors when she bumped into them in the hallways and that kind of thing. So I felt like the very first episode established a fair bit of that. And so I could kind of lean into that Lyra that I knew which I'm guessing there's much more of as you're saying in the books yeah. but I think it worked it also made me think of uh just sort of like how in most kids lit there just sort of aren't that many adults around often or they are only villains mm. and mm-hmm. so when the adults are clearly all villains she's like all right I know what to do I don't have to defer to Lord Fa or Farticorum or Ma Costa. Huh. like I'm in charge here because these are definitely all bad guys
1: yeah, that's really fun insight, and I think you're totally right, where yeah. it's just like, nope, we're we're doing this. Yeah. I don't give a shit about any of these other people. I'm <laughs> sorry
0: about the cursing, <laughs> Marcel. I, uh,
1: didn't,
0: I did notice they did something, uh, and this is related to what you just said, that is pretty common in kids' TV in the sort of Star Wars way. In the Star Wars universe, most of the bad guys are wearing helmets so they don't seem like people mm-hmm. when you shoot them, the stormtroopers. Uh, That's because it's aimed at kids. uh, And this had the same way. Most of the people who were killed by the good guys were these shadowy tartars whose faces you never see. Mm -hmm. They're like video game villains. And it's it's just an easier way of handling violence when you don't have to look at the faces of the people who are being killed. And it's common to use in all kinds of kids' entertainments. That's what orcs are for.
1: Yeah. So most of the voicemails we got this week were... Uh, pretty enthusiastic about this episode but we did get at least one person who was disappointed and she actually sent us this voicemail with the subject line episode six turd emoji (laughs) emoji."
3: (laughs) hi nerdette and peter i am a new listener but fast fan of the show Uh, i am a book reader and a show watcher and like peter i started rereading the books and I just think that might have not been a great idea. I was a big fan of the scenes where Lyra was at Ball I thought that they really showed how clever and cunning she is which I think is important for her character as the story progresses and it just it just didn't hit the mark. Uh, The battle between the Egyptians and the Tartars in the book is so vivid and scary and There's such great imagery in the book that they just did not achieve in the show. And don't get me started on the flying of the single witch. Like now she's just, you know, (laughs) super magical. (laughs) She's not like that in the book at all. So, yeah, I'm having a hard time separating the book from the show. But Either way, I'll probably keep watching. Uh, If I had a demon, it would probably be a fat lazy cat, something kind of like Garfield. Thanks so much. (laughs) Enjoy the show.
2: Her demon Uh, hates Mondays.
0: Yeah. No, she's – I think she's right in every respect. I think I I agree with everything she just said, including the battle scenes. You may remember when we first talked about Yorek, the polar bear. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, later on in the book anyway, that, that bear does some really violent things. And which I'm kind of for because it makes him a figure of terror yeah. more as well as kind of a cuddly friend.
1: Which I think they did kind of establish in that earlier scene, which they did soften from the books of soften, him running but, through but town. But
0: there's a, there's a scene in the book that I remember very vividly in which the – well, I just read it.
1: Are you about to spoil it? No, because it was week? in
0: this battle sequence that we oh, just saw. Oh, okay, okay. In which uh, Yorek swipes with his mighty claw at a – Tartar, that is one of the bad troops, stormtroopers, stri- <laughs> strikes at his demon so strongly that he kills the demon. And when he kills the demon, the Tartar found falls dead. And it was very cool. It shows Yurek's power and his, his cold-bloodedness. And the idea of being so powerful to kill a demon with a blow was really intense. And you never – I mean when you saw Yurek fighting – He fought by knocking the guys into each other. The classic, you know, cheap violence thing where you knock a guy, he hits another guy, and they both fall down unconscious.
1: Yeah, Domino stormtroopers. I don't know. I will disagree. I think this episode was actually the closest to how I pictured it from the books that we've seen yet.
0: It followed the plot more closely, although it differed in some ways that, you know, not surprisingly old Peter's back I didn't like. Uh, and I can give you some examples, but I don't want to get in the way of where you were going.
2: I have a quick uh, question for you book readers yeah. that uh, I, th- I think maybe you will know or maybe I just missed it and the TV viewers will also know and say, Trisha, duh. Um, but basically when they're trying to drag Lyra in to be tested, right?
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: They grab Pan and it seems like just touching him makes her faint. Yes. So is that like is is anybody t- is a human touching someone else's demon yes.
1: so painful that, yes. that that alone causes that much pain? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it part of it was that they he grabbed the demon right, uh-huh. like he was. You know, it wasn't like he was just patting that demon on the head. Yeah, but, but he also yes,
2: wasn't like squeezing the life out of it right, or right, anything. No.
1: It's like super, super, super taboo to touch somebody else's demon. Yes. Okay.
0: That, that's like what I thought.
1: very creepy and horrible, and it should almost never happen, essentially unless you're like lovers. And then some of those rules change.
0: Yeah. Sure. All right. I mean, well, I don't know about you refer, all that. but He <laughs> refers to it as the taboo. Because yeah. of the taboo, says writes Philip Pullman. He would it was so crazy to do that. You don't touch somebody else's demon.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay.
0: It's, it's yeah, because like, Pan was imagine.
2: fine a few seconds later, and she was still no, sort of knocked when they out cold. Threw
1: him in that little cage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, anyway. Let's go back a little bit to we discussed it a little. The the drink the doctor's drinking. Yeah. In what one listener called the creepy teachers' lounge. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. A good word for it. <laughs> oh, totally.
2: We are on the edge of magnificent discovery. That is the line we need to reinforce. She mustn't be allowed to focus on the mistakes.
3: Do you think we are? On the edge of discovery. You doubt it. There are times when I do worry.
2: This is just pain we're causing.
3: How many more children have to die before we get it right? We are doing what is necessary. We get this right and we will truly free generations from tyranny of sin. And the Magisterium will recognize and celebrate us for the job we've done here. And if we don't... We can and must succeed. Dun, 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 dun. It's
0: interesting, that's not in the book, I don't remember, mm-hmm. uh, a moment with the villains, otherwise faceless, to see how they feel about what they're doing. Being I totally funny. understand the instinct on the writer-producers to say, hey, you know, these people are running around doing these terrible things to children. We need to see why they're doing that from their perspective. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I, I appreciate that. I, I, would, I would probably, given the same job, have the same instinct. Hey, we need to explain why these people are doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it was successful. It, did, it certainly didn't make me go, oh, yeah, I guess I can see it from their perspective. It just made them seem creepy, which we knew.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess it does kind of speak to the long tradition of various super intense religions to do really horrible things in the name of what they call a greater cause. Right. Right. Like, I think it does kind of place that.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting, though, is, you know, uh, we've talked about this before. The magisterium is a religious authority, but they never talk about how they're
1: oppressive? Well, well I mean, we talk about that,
0: but they never talk about their religion. Oh, actually, right. I mean, in fact, like the, the tenets of the tenets of their religion. Are they Christians, for example? Uh, do they believe in uh, Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ and came and saved us from original okay. sin, um, which is something that comes into it? Because we uh, remember the name of the show is from Paradise Lost, right. which is a Christian right, book. Right. About the original sin in Adam and Eve and the fall of man. Yeah, I would say it's definitely man.
1: like Christian adjacent.
0: Right. But they never talk about that. Right. So because they never talk about that, it just seems like they're working for God Corporation or, you know, Magisterium Inc. That they're Corp. just They're just bureaucrats doing what their bosses are telling them.
1: God Corp and God Cops. Exactly. It works.
0: And uh, I wonder, I don't know if that is sufficient for what they're doing. Because and again, I'm I'm being a little coy because having read the books, I know what the what they're trying to do. They hint at it mm-hmm. um, in this. But it's 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 a very religious thing that they're trying to do. And since they're not established, actually religious, it's kind of hard to understand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Let's check in with Courtney and Marcel. Hi, Greta. Hi. Um Trisha
3: Trisha, and and Peter yes (laughs) you got it this is Courtney Courtney. and Marcel we're we're messaging you from Indianapolis Indiana and we just watched his dark materials episode six yeah it was was six Mm -hmm. yeah and we thought it was pretty weird what I didn't think it was weird I thought it was good I thought it pulled together everything it that we It was we've creepy, been. too. It was a little creepy. But we saw, like, the purpose of the Armored Bear. Yeah! And <laughs> we saw what the Tartars looked like. But we're excited yeah. for the next two, the final two episodes of this season. Yes, I want to see them. I think the next one's about getting Azrael back, and then the last one is about having time, like, together.
2: Oh, that sounds together. nice.
3: Mm, I want to see that. <laughs> It Don't does that sound one's. nice. Yeah. So... Anyways, thank you.
1: I like that they had a slight bit of disagreement. I know. I was like, oh, no.
0: Let let no sunlight come
1: between them. Exactly. Courtney did also in her email say that her niece works in CGI. And she told Courtney that it would cost about a million dollars to produce CGI demons for everyone in an hour long show. And that—that's her best guess, considering the fact that she doesn't actually watch the show.
0: I have a so, friend. For what it's worth, uh, I have a friend who worked for many years at Pixar as a computer engineer, oh, helping yeah. them design their systems. And I put the question to him: Are we? And, and basically, the question is: Is the reason we're not seeing s- as many demons as I would want to see because of prohibitive cost? How much does it cost to stick? I mean, like per demon. What's the cost per demon? Yeah. You have one demon in the scene. What's what's the cost of another one? And he is. He hasn't let tell – he hasn't told me yet, but he's oh, working on he's, it.
1: He's doing the math. What, what, what he did
0: tell me is that CGI – and I don't know anything about it. But what I had wondered – there's so much CGI now in TV. Even like you know, half-hour sitcoms have CGI like The Good Place. Yeah. That I kind of assumed that CGI was getting to the point where, say, music is now. You don't need a whole orchestra. You press a button, you have a violin section. You press another button, you have a drum track, whatever. Uh-huh. I.e., it's desktop level. I can throw in a, yeah. an animal, I can throw in a car. And, and the answer to that is no. It's nowhere near that. <laughs> so, every, you know, it's just like a The it's answer to that is long. how dare you? Yeah, it's the answer not was like, a no, click and drag no,
1: situation. No. So, Mrs. Coulter makes it to Bullvanger. And uh, Lyra forms a little, a cool little girl squad. She talks them all into being on her side and yes. helping protect her from yes. Mrs. Coulter. Yes. And then she does what Justin in his notes called a two-minute inverted row, hiding under the bed.
2: Yeah, that takes some upper body like, strength. She pulls herself Some core out. strength. Yeah. That's yeah. tough.
1: That's real hard. I also think that monkey is officially really stupid.
0: Yeah, the monkey couldn't find her. Come on, monkey. Right? Yeah. The I don't know like that
1: he's trying to, to though. Well, but like you like he was like there was a girl missing from the bed like he's sniffing around by the bed. You'd think he would notice.
0: Yeah, there was another shot in which people somebody walked down a hallway past a corner where our heroes were plastered against the wall and didn't see them. Yeah. That never works in real life. You only see that in movies. Because if you were, if you were walking down a hallway and there was someone flattened against a wall just to your right, right, you'd go, "Oh, wait, there's a person
1: there." Oh, see hello, them. person in the yeah, corner of my eye. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, yeah. Uh, so from there, we have the Egyptians climbing mountains with very large sleds. Yeah. That was a
0: weird sequence. Which, was that just to indicate that oh my gosh, the Egyptians are slow, they're not going to get there in time?
1: I think what it was cuz I was like why do we why are they like ditch the sleds y'all? Yeah. This is not a good idea. Yeah,
0: they were like the grinch up there holding onto the sled but before I it went down the mountain. But I think the reason
1: they did it was to to justify the existence of the hot air balloon. At the end, yeah, because otherwise, how would Lee have been able to show up there with that balloon? Right, like yeah. The, the balloon is what's on the sled. Yes, exactly. And I and, think it also uh,
2: helps show like it is a perilous journey they on too. Like yeah, it's not some easy. Treachery.
0: Yeah, I maybe mean, you yeah. could have, for that purpose, Greta. You could have just shown them just slugging these sledges with the balloon basket on one. You yeah. didn't need to show them almost falling down a ravine. That's true,
1: but I think for the treachery of it all, it's important. Yeah, and then after that scene is when. Lizzie is called to the cages, which is a
0: really intense scene. It is a very intense scene, although here we go, more whinging. (laughs) It's not as good as it was in the book. Uh, and, and and this is what i mean by that yes they did the design great that that guillotine thing was really scary yeah. the way i i loved how and
1: oh, in uh, that get, tiny cage like how she has to crouch in. yes
0: and i loved how well for lack of a better word violent they were about getting lyra into yeah, it how she screams throwing, throwing it was oh. it was that all was great in, but in the book that all happens And it's described so quickly, like they did this, they did this, they threw her in there, they charged up the machine, that even though I had read it before, I actually was worried this last time they were going to sever Lyra from her demon. I
1: know. It was. Yeah. Yeah. They did a good job of that, even for the book reader to be like, wait, this is getting way closer than I thought we were going to get
0: with this. And at the very last second before the button is pushed, Mrs. Coulter appears Mm -hmm. and says, wait, stop, Lyra how nice to see you, and removes her from the cage. And she Mm -hmm. steps into the last minute and saves the day. So what did they change? They changed it in a significant way because now what happens is Lyra says, Mrs. Coulter will be upset. Mrs. Coulter, talk to Mrs. Coulter. She invokes Mrs. Coulter. Yeah. And then they sort of, I don't know how Mrs. Coulter comes into the room exactly. She sort of stumbles in. Well, because there's
1: a delay. She's like, what's with the delay? It's
0: like, what's going on? So Mrs. Coulter's initiative in the book is taken from her and given to lyra lyra is the one who saves herself by invoking mrs coulter which i understand it's like okay that makes lyra more active
1: Mm, But at the
0: same time it one of the things i noticed throughout this episode was the diminishment of mrs coulter she's obviously been the villain she's obviously been more complicated emotionally than the villain she was in the book and most villains tend to be but in this episode she seemed almost helpless And miserable and so conflicted as to be impotent. She just, I mean, there's even at the end, she ends up, instead of like escaping from Bullbanger, she's just kind of cowering. Yeah. Even this moment in which she, in the the book, she steps in and by expressing her absolute authority, saves Lyra is reduced to being a kind of, well, what's going on? Oh, what's Lyra doing here? Wait a minute, what? And that to me is a diminishment of her as a good villain.
1: So do you think that the conversation that Mrs. Coulter and Lyra have in the next scene helps that at all?
0: Well, what I noticed about that is how how almost pathetic Hmm. Mrs. Coulter seems. She doesn't seem like this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm certain about what I'm doing. Uh, she seems like almost apologetic. No, this is there's really a good reason. And, 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 and I, I promise you, Lyra, this is this is a good thing. And I'm not a bad person. Really, I'm your mom and I love you and I'm not. A, and it's like, that's not, I don't know, strong. And I want her to be stronger.
1: Yeah, let's listen back to some of it, because this I think this was a really big scene in terms of at least giving her an opportunity to kind of try to explain herself. Yeah. And it's long and it's a very wide ranging conversation. So we actually pulled a couple different clips from it. And we will listen to them right after this break.
0: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race, hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org events.
1: All right. It's dust. You're off to dust. Shh. Dust is not a good thing. Grown-ups are infected so deeply that it's too late for them. Condemned to a life of sin,
2: guilt, and regret. This is for a better future.
3: A better life. A life without pain would not be a better life.
1: Your demons are wonderful companions and friends to you when you're young. But at the age that we call puberty... Age you're coming to very soon, darling. Demons bring all sorts of troublesome thoughts and feelings. And that's what lets dust in. A little operation
2: before that. And you're never troubled again.
3: If it was so good, you should have let them do it. You should have been glad.
1: Every boundary in experimental theology requires the sacrifice of the few for the many. Once we've ironed out the teething problems, this will change the world. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, I mean, that is the most holistic explanation we've heard yet. Yes. For why they're trying to do what they're doing.
0: And my perspective is like, oh, right, that's almost the whole story because I know the whole story having read the books. Trisha, what do you think of it?
1: I think what struck
2: me most about that scene is realizing And sort of connecting the dots, why Mrs. Coulter is doing this work, and the added weight of her, like her her backstory is one Mm -hmm. where lust, which is sin in her eyes, ruined her life. It created Lyra, but it ruined her life. It meant that her
1: huge horrible decision—her affair with Azrael.
2: Right, and and the reason she's mean to her demon is that she blames the demon for being her sort of irrational emotional side right? And so that's why she's always sort of like knocking her demon on the head and all that, because she hates her own emotions. And she also thinks that she is genuinely going to help people from making crushing mistakes like she made that come from lust, basically.
0: Yes. One of the things that we're starting to get I think I can say this without being a spoiler, is that incredibly interestingly for a children's – bit of children's literature and um, challengingly for a TV show adapted from it, this is a show that is about at its base sexual sin. The idea of sin as related to sexual desire because that's what puberty is about. That's what – You just talked about Trish. You got all that, that she is not – when she thinks about her sin and the sin she's trying to end, she thinks about sexual mistakes.
1: I don't know, though. I think at its more essential level, I mean, it's original sin, which, like, you could redefine as sexual sin. But I think that's what it really – it's about – it's about the idea that humans are inherently imperfect and that right. we will always disappoint God.
0: Right. But that is related to sexual maturity in a very distinct way. Because what's puberty? That's sexual maturity. Sure. Well, that's when your demon settles.
2: And Mrs. That's Coulter when... thinks the most evil thing she did is fall in love with James McAvoy for a hot minute. Right.
1: <laughs> Which, I mean, who would? Who wouldn't? <laughs> I would. I'm just saying. Those sweaters, man. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of sweaters, I just... Hit the microphone! I was so excited. Yes, the Bullvanger snow suits are kind of awesome.
0: They guys. are. You mean the ones the kids wear? <laughs> yeah. You like them? Yeah, I feel like yeah, I would wear this those, this is, this They're is the, cool. The, this is the Greta Johnson winter wear seal of approval, yes. which is nice.
2: <laughs> we should get you a sticker like Oprah's yeah, Book Club, really like should. approved. <laughs> this winter yeah, wear those is approved.
1: Seem awesome. I think they're very good, but anyway, I didn't mean to change the subject so intensely. Anyway, I, yeah, we, we I were mean,
0: talking about sexual sin I mean, <laughs> because it's about Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost is about innocence and experience. It's about Adam and Eve walking around naked, not knowing they're naked. It's about Eve taking the apple. It's yeah, about knowledge. It's, it's about them being aware of themselves sexually, covering just, themselves up.
1: It's also just about refusing God's will, though. I yeah. think you know, like it's about a lot of
0: stuff.
2: I do still think though that Mrs. Coulter is performing her emotions more than having them. And I don't mean that as a judgment on Ruth Wilson, the actor. I mean that the character, Mrs. Coulter, yes. like in any moment where Mrs. Coulter is alone, but we the viewer can see her, she's almost
1: dead behind the eyes like Sister Clara. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my initial thought, especially with that scene, was like, oh, now she's going to pretend to be a good mom. like, they're, right. And, and right. they're both pretending at each other in this scene, right? Yeah. Because... You know, Lyra is trying to get her on her side just enough so that she can book it out of there. Yeah, she's intending to flee. That
2: scene, that moment where they scream at each other from
0: opposite sides
1: of the door. isn't that amazing? Mm Mm-hmm. Speaking of intense emotions. That was pretty
0: good. All right. I've been whinging a lot. That was pretty cool. You liked that. I did because it was so, like, raw and unexpected and weirdly human and real. Yeah. In in, in a show that has been layered, if you'll excuse me, in bullshit.
1: Well, and I think how similar they are, like in both of those moments, neither. They're just both so frustrated and angry. Yeah. That the fact that they display that in the same way, I think is fascinating. And Jonah actually had an insight into Jonah, that as well. Jonah, Our buddy Jonah. Just he been? Well, this here whole he, whole hour. he is. <laughs> Hey,
0: Nerdette, it's Jonah from Chicago. In the scene where Lyra and Mrs. Coulter were screaming at each other through the locked door, did anyone else hear in those quick cuts kind of the same... Cadence as those awful Pepsi commercials where uh, people were screaming what's up to each other
3: through the phone. Oh,
0: right. I know that might seem a little out there, so I'm playing the clip. Okay, now here's the end of the Pepsi commercial that I'm starting to remember the appeal of. That's <laughs> a random connection.
1: That's uh, all we got from Jonah. That's what we got
0: from Jonah's doing his best to make sure he gets on the show every week, uh-huh. apparently. Jonah yeah, brought he's clips.
1: Some, so, yep, he's, he's got clips.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess I can see that, that there was an echo of the was-up commercials of, what was it, the mid-90s, late early no 2000s? Idea. I don't As remember. As somebody
2: who more often gets earworms about just the spoken word than actual musical things, I oh, can totally yeah. relate to Jonah in yeah. this moment. I had, like, a bit of a John Mulaney stand-up. Line sort of looping in my head earlier today. So, Joan, I feel you. I got you. In
1: fact, that is a Budweiser ad, not a Pepsi commercial, but we get the gist. Yeah. So from there, Lyra pulls the alarm. Yes. And uh, I did really love the futility of the scene where she's trying to put on her winter clothing as quickly as possible. Because as someone who grew up in an Arctic climate, it always takes longer than you think it's going to. Right.
0: I actually thought that she was doing it wasn't so much for her comfort, but like, these are my clothes. I'm not going to go out in the yes, world wearing these sure. people's no. clothes. These clothes. This is like the yeah. Lyra's outfit. It's like Charlie yeah. Brown putting back on his striped shirt. So we got to get it done. Yeah. I, I just want to stop and say something that one of the things I've noticed, and this also has to do with an episode of Watchmen they just broadcast, mm. that in, in TV shows, if there are doors that are controlled by panels, right, of like key panels or yeah. palm panels, Beep,
1: boppity, you
0: can make them open by smashing them and you can lock them closed.
1: By, by smashing, smashing them. them? Hmm. They're
0: just a universal applicable thing. Whatever you want a door to do, which is weird, it's a design dis- it's, it seems like a design defect on these <laughs> high-tech doors <laughs> that if you just want it to open instead of actually putting in a key or a keypad, you just smash it. And if you want it to lock, smash it.
1: That is an interesting distinction there. Yes. For I have another viewer design. only question. Yes. Uh uh-huh.
2: Uh it seemed like maybe we missed a a moment to explain why she was able to keep her personal possession of the tin oh, that had the yes. spy fly
3: yes. but then oh lord
2: like what was that just do i just need to ignore the fact that it's like, you know, she's basically entering a prison. Like, all of her clothes are in that bag. She doesn't have them with her, but yet she happens to have the spy fly on her when she's right, in that room. and where
1: is the alethiometer? That
0: was such a, a, a boneheaded mistake on their part. I can't imagine. I literally can't imagine what they were thinking. Because if you've read the book, and, Tricia, obviously you haven't, so you don't know this, there's a sequence of scenes in which she prepares for that moment. This is what she does. She takes she, – she she and you don't know why she's doing this, which later on makes her seem even smarter. She asks Yorek, who has skill with metals, to make her that box mm. and to seal the spy fly, which they've been carrying around right. since it first showed which up in the Which the
1: Egyptians did right. in the show. And she
0: asked them to seal that into a box specifically so it looks like a lithiometer. It looks the same size and shape as an alethiometer. Mm-hmm. And you don't know why she's doing it. They say, OK, and then, and, you know, the narrative says, and Lyra went to Yorick and said, can you make me a box about this size? You don't know why she's doing it. And then in the scene where she – where Mrs. Coulter demands the alethiometer and she hands over the box, opens it up, the spy fly comes out. You're like, oh, my God, Lyra, you are so smart. You set up that booby trap because you know you'd need it. Yeah. Since we don't see any of that – I'm not even sure, Tricia, that you. Kn- I'm amazed, Tricia, you even knew it was the spy fly because that's so quick, and all you do is oh, kind of hear the voice. Oh, I don't know. Voice. I
1: feel like they spent a fair amount of time on the spy fly.
0: Well, I know, but that for like three episodes, yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah it was a long no time a- ago.
2: Corum yeah, they- put when they were on the boats, he put it yeah, into that tin he for her, it up. and she yeah, was going to exactly. chuck it into the. Uh, water at one point
1: yeah and right? Ma Costa told her not yeah. to yeah. exactly
0: and and so that to me was like some, I don't know why they did that what was their thinking well, like, we don't need yeah. to establish this we can just do it
1: it seems to me like the way to get around that would have been to have Mrs. Coulter very indignantly tell the doctors that Lyra wasn't going to wear the Bullvanger kid outfit and she needed her own clothes back and then she oh, could get her worked. stuff back that had been yeah. confiscated Yeah, because yeah it, that, that part didn't really I, track
0: I just wondered you, right? I mean it just seemed like a boneheaded mistake not yeah. to establish that yeah. before they used it
1: Well, and so then Lyra gives Roger the little pep talk about finding the the severed children, right? um, Which he does, and man, those shaved heads were.
0: Yeah, when did they? It's like, oh yes, not only are we cutting off your demon, but we're going to shave your head. And it's almost as if they said, we got to shave the kids' heads who have their demons excised, or what's the word? I forget. There's a verb they use. Severed, like severed, yeah. Uh, Because otherwise, we won't know. We won't be able to tell them apart from the other kids because we're not doing demons. We're not doing
1: demons. I will say, I think my favorite moment from this entire episode was when Lyra goes into the uh, surgery room yeah. and or the control room for the surgery room and Pan's like, what are you doing? And she just goes, <laughs> I'm going to push every button until something happens. Because as a live radio broadcast yes. operator person, I often feel like that's what I'll do in there. It's just like push <laughs> as many buttons as possible until something happens. It you is. Know?
0: somewhat bothersome to me that just as you can make a door panel do whatever you want it to do in the moment by smashing it. Yeah. uh, It does seem weird that all of these devices and all of these movies, going back to, I don't know, Dr. No, (laughs) that all of the villains' evil devices have some way of making them blow themselves up. Right. If If you you push push the right buttons. Oh, you just leave the door open and push this button. It will explode. Yeah,
1: it's going to be great. You
0: know, I'm not an engineer. (laughs) I don't pretend to be one, but I would imagine that a basic thing of engineering is don't build in a way to blow the thing up if you just press the right sequence of buttons. Yeah, yeah.
1: We did also get a voicemail from a listener who was just very concerned that Lyra seemed very clever in most of the episode until she stuck around a little too close to the explosion time.
3: I will say my one complaint is Lyra seems pretty smart, but when
1: things are exploding, please just run away. I might have been... Yelling at my TV screen um, during the whole escape scene.
0: It's like, yeah. you got to get out of there. You got to get out of there. But then again, how does she know it's going to explode?
1: Because she pushed the right button. Yes,
0: yeah, she pushed the sequence of buttons that makes it explode. <laughs> that all sinister devices must have by law.
1: And that's the point where the Egyptians show up. We got Ma Costa. Yeah. we got. Yeah, she has her. She has
2: her Molly Weasley moment.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That's a very good way of putting that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Did it? Does it strike you that? It's interesting that the American is the one with the gun.
2: Uh, oh, I mean, that's classic British everything. Yeah. Is that all yeah. Americans, I if. Suppose. Yeah, in Doctor Who, every American is a doofus with a gun.
0: Yeah. And, and, and we, are, we mentioned earlier when Lee Scoresby showed up that he's kind of a British imagination of a classic Texan. Yeah. A long cowboy with his long, you know, yeah. six shooter. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense.
1: It worked. Yeah. It worked for y'all. Also, it made him useful. It did make him extremely useful, but not as useful as Serafina Pecola. Pec- oh, yeah.
0: What was that?
1: <laughs> I loved that.
0: Did you really she oh, yeah. shows up and just oh, instantly yeah. kills? Yeah.
1: Just like... <laughs> she's Nightcrawler. <laughs> Pieces out. She's like, you're welcome.
0: Yeah. Although it struck me as being almost too powerful.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like,
0: if, if somebody can do that, can, like, instantly kill a room full of enemies with... They don't have a chance and she doesn't even break a sweat then she's like a super weapon that will ruin the interest in any fight that she's yeah. in.
1: It's a little bit like Captain Marvel We were are like, well, where have you been then? Yeah. Or Seraphina X Machina, I guess. would be. Yeah. Right. Yes, very exactly.
0: Good. <laughs> very good, Greta.
1: Thank you, Peter. Yeah,
0: and that seemed, and, and uh, we also remember that in the book, there are a lot of witches.
1: Yes. And there like seems a, to be only one. Crew. Well, yeah. she did hint earlier when she was talking to Fardar Quorum that the witches are split. Yeah. And so that could, kind of could justify yeah. that. I, that that was also the moment where I noticed that the alarm lights were mm-hmm. still flashing, but yeah. the alarm sound had stopped, which right. seemed a little incongruous. Maybe the alarm for the sound was just too annoying. drama of the scene. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it for sure would have been annoying. I just thought it was a funny inconsistency.
2: I also did think it was strange that they sort of, as soon as the Tartars were killed by the witch, they were like, "The fight is over, and no one was like, "Get Mrs. Coulter. Where is Mrs. Yes. Coulter? And yes. she was able yes. to just
1: slip away. Yes, that does seem like. And where did she go? And how did she
0: slip away? And did her airship that she came by was it still moored? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
1: And how much credibility does she lose that this whole experiment blew up?
0: Yeah, quite literally. I'm just imagining the magisterium saying to her, "So the thing blew up when you pushed a lot of buttons." And she says, "Yes." She says, "Do you think maybe you should have designed your machine (laughs) so it didn't blow up when you pushed a lot of buttons?" She said, "Well, we didn't think of that." I'm
1: glad you're fixating on that. I am. That's great. Yes. And then uh, Roger gets to meet Yorick and Lee, which is a pretty cute little. That was scene. pretty
0: cute. I'm a, I'm a little annoyed. It's not just that Yorick hasn't shown cutting people in half with his claws. That he has his his presence is mostly comic. You're welcome, Lyra.
1: I, when he I, I I liked it. I liked it.
0: Yeah. I I mean I stand Yorick as the kids say. And I kind one of the things I like about him is that he's not sentimental or funny.
1: Oh, but I think he's very sentimental. I think he loves Lyra so much. And I haven't seen it in the show so much, but in the books, like, the bond between Lyra and Yorick is like almost no other friendship in those books. But the
0: reason it's so meaningful is because he has no other sentiment or irony to him.
1: That's, yeah. Uh, It is worth noting that moment, more or less, is where the movie ends.
0: At the breakout from Bulwanger?
1: yeah. Yeah, huh. like she she's with Roger, and they're like, "Okay, let's go see my dad." And it's like this cute, that's it, hopeful and ending. And they don't
0: find yeah, no, Daniel that's Craig. the what? end of the movie. That seems weird. Which
1: was really surprising because that's yeah. not at all the end of
0: the book. Yeah, and, and I this is something I wanted to talk about, but I don't want to talk about in detail because there are spoilers for people who haven't read the books. Yeah. But there is something coming up that is the end of the book that I can only assume they're headed toward here because it's all playing across the same beats, in, in which Lyra does something that is in a way justified by everything she's done up until that moment yeah uh and i wonder how it's going to play given how different lyra has been yeah. That's all I can say. And if you're a book okay. reader, you know what I mean. I guess
1: that's not. I was worried that we were just going to have to tell Justin to, to cut that, that out. So then Lyra and Roger get in the hot air balloon with Lee. Why and Yorick? I mean, I let me
0: put it this way: I found it so confusing. <laughs> why he says that I don't know. I mean, why do they? Why do those four characters—Lee, Yorick, uh, Roger, and Lyra—get into the balloon to fly off? Where are they going? Well, why are they no one so else free coming Israel. with them? It's Israel.
1: To free Azriel, which yeah. just happens to be with the armored bears. Mm-hmm. So Yorick's probably useful. Yeah. And they need the balloon and Lee drives the balloon. And was there any
0: did I miss it? Was there any conversation about like, yes, you, Lyra, a child, should take this other child and only you four should go and do this. Well, Is she it... kinda
1: talks to Ma Acosta, doesn't that kind of accomplish that, where Ma's like, You gotta keep like you're not done, you gotta keep moving.
0: Right. And I just keep remembering the prior scenes in which the Egyptians at least were depicted as being, Lyra, you can't go. What are you talking about? Or have they now, like said, "Oh my God, Lyra, you uh, got captured. You have broken these kids out. Clearly, you're a much more formidable person than we thought you were. I don't know. I Therefore, think they, you go do this too.
1: I think they always honored the fact that Lyra was on her own mission. but don't you remember all the you dumb know? things
0: with the Egyptians saying, Lyra, you can't go do by yourself. That's ridiculous. Now yeah. they're like, ah, go in a balloon, take another kid, we're well, cool. Well, that
1: was because they didn't quite believe the alethiometer, I think. I don't think it was like they're trying to boss Lyra around. Well, as I usual, we turn
0: to our, our experimental control and say, Trish, did it make sense to you?
1: <laughs> I mean,
2: in terms of it just being a, a young adult reader uh, hero's journey, yes. Now all my favorite characters who I continue to care yeah. about
0: are in the same hot air balloon. I'm cool with Right. That. <laughs> Which is important and, yeah. and has its pleasures. Uh, and you know, and that's, and, and by the way, I should say that that happens in the book that they get, those four characters yeah, get in right. the balloon. I don't know. Did Roger go in the balloon? I don't remember. And then they're attacked by Cliff yeah. Gasts and Lyra falls out of the balloon. So that's all, that's all canon.
1: Yeah. And we, let's listen to the scene when Serafina shows up to chat with Lee. Cause I yes. feel like that's a, that's another pretty big one. And I will say it. sparks flying in that mm-hmm. scene. mm mm-hmm.
0: What kind
2: you of sparks? You
1: think so, you know, a couple Little flirty f-
2: sparks? I think there's flirty sparks between Serafina
1: and Lee. I'm just saying. Yeah, you're not the only person to say that. Yeah, I thought so too. She matters more than she can ever know. The fate of more than this world depends on her.
0: Well, I had a contract with the Egyptians over what was accomplished in Volvanger. This, this seems like a whole new thing, which requires if I'm honest, new contracts and new payments. She will need you, Lee. You know, a man should have a choice, whether to take up arms or not.
1: And you need her.
0: That's not how I expected this conversation to go. Is it not? No, I was hoping you would find a way of chucking me some danger money. Instead, you blindsided me with, with love. Good. Could could the listeners hear me roll my eyes just then? Yeah,
1: yeah, I think I think they just picked the up
0: muscles on that. in my eyes rolling them so hard. Oh, that man, they made a noise. But
1: the phrase "chucking me some danger money," chucking oh, me my some danger God. money. But then, <laughs> yes, which is great. It's amazing. Immediately
0: undercut and diminished by. Yeah. But you blindsided me with love.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, little... I will
2: blame the writing on that more than yeah, the acting. No,
0: we're not going to pick on Lin Manuel for having to deliver that ridiculous line.
2: <laughs> They've known each other for like a week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and you know that, you know, uh, uh, let me put it this way, a tell that the writing is not what it should be is when characters have to say things like that, when they describe their feelings about someone to a third person. Oh, man, I really love this person. We shouldn't need to hear him say that. It should be clear that that is the case. Yeah.
1: Well, I think another another listener pointed out to us, too, that, like, it might have worked better if we actually had had kind of a Han Solo arc. Where initially he was just in it for the money, mm-hmm. but then he was won over enough that yeah. he knew he needed to do it because it was the right thing to do. But as we and that's what that scene was trying to accomplish, but it didn't quite right. get there the way that it should. And
0: have. as we discussed when when Lee Scoresby first showed up, he's he's now depicted and acted as a total charming love ball, love love ball,
1: love ball. <laughs> is what you said.
0: I know. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs>
1: We're not going to edit that one. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you I mean, he's
0: just like this charming, pleasant ball of loveliness. I can't okay. make this any better. Okay, You know what I mean, though. Yeah. It's he like an aura thing. He, he was never a rogue. He was never like somebody who had a m- heart that needed to be melted. Right. He was just this lovable guy who you knew was just going to love and be loved. That's his place in this show. So it's not a surprise. As you say, it would have been more interesting if he had come in, if he had come in, come in like Sam, what's his name? Sam Sam Elliott. Come in like Sam Elliott and become Lin-Manuel as opposed to being (laughs) Lin-Manuel the whole time.
1: Yeah, that would have been nice. And then we have the terrifying cliff gas.
0: Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. I'll I'll give him props for the cliff gas, that cool sequence where there's something going around outside the balloon. They can't tell what's going on.
1: I also love how incongruous a armored polar bear is on a hot air balloon.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that would work. In real life. I mean, polar bears are heavy. I'm just saying.
2: (laughs) I mean, that's probably why more people couldn't go with them also,
0: right? Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, They could have had that discussion.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so that was pretty cool. The cliff-gast attack.
1: So, yeah. What would you think of that ending?
0: I mean, well, I was expecting it because it's in the book. Yeah. And it was handled pretty well. So I'll give them props for executing a scene. Making it, you know, just in the appropriate way we've discussed, making it scary and creepy and dangerous but not upsetting for the kids.
1: Yeah.
2: How many of the six episodes have now ended with basically... Lyra maybe dying cut to black it was a-, a bunch of them the one where she leaves Mrs. Coulter and gets snatched right Yep. oh yeah uh, the last episode before this one where she gets well I thought the episode was going to end with her getting snatched and then oh, they're like nope you're in bull and then this yep. one where it's just a lot of like, "Oh, the protagonist is in dire situations." Wait a week. Crazy
1: stuff is yeah. happening. You remember yeah. the phrase
0: "cliffhanger" comes from scenes in which people were actually hanging off cliffs.
2: Yeah,
1: so at least she <laughs> fell, I guess, right? Yeah. But then technically, it's not a cliffhanger; it's just a ladder She's faller. gonna.
2: You know what she's gonna need to survive this fall? She's going to need some of that Sansa Theon snow. Oh,
1: yes,
0: yeah, she is. Oh, yes, the famous snow that's only half an inch thick that yep. manages to cushion your blow. That winter fell. We know, that in a weird way, why not criticize him for this? <laughs> this kind of cliffhanger <laughs> ending is, is the worst kind because the implied threat is she might die. She just fell from the balloon. How but awful. She can't. What if she's dead? She's not dead. She's the hero. There are two more episodes.
1: I don't know, though. I don't think... I mean, it's not that cheap in that, like, yeah, you know she's not going to die, but also, like, that means she's not heading where she's supposed to be. Right. And, like, how the... Can you steer a hot air balloon? No. Like, who knows that she's down there? What's she going to do? How's she going to figure it out? Like... Even without the presumption of her dying, I think that's still like, oh, this is definitely throwing a wrench in the plans. Like, it seemed like everything was just adorable and cute and they were just going to fly over and get her dad. But this like... is
0: what I mean. And just turns in plain storytelling. You end it this way. You're like, oh, my God, she fell off the balloon. Is she going to survive? Well, of course she's going to survive. Yeah. A better ending to this episode would be to have her on the Theon Sansa Snow, getting up, shaking her head, realizing she's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. She has nowhere she is. Yes. She's freezing to death. Yes. Go to black. Because now, okay, now the audience is left going, well, how's she going to survive? How's she going to get out of there? What's going to happen? Which is a more legitimate thing to wonder than is she going to live? Because of course she's going to live.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I accept. But I won't (laughs) say you're right. I can't
0: believe that I'm about to say these words aloud. I agree with Peter.
2: So two episodes left. She is somewhere she's not supposed to be. Right. And I mean, there's got to be a bit more James McAvoy at some point.
0: Yes. We didn't stick around this long to not have any more James McAvoy. And I want some more bears. Oh, if let me put it this way, I'm relatively confident that all of your wishes will come true, Trisha. You're gonna get some bears. Yep, more. There'll be more bears and more James McAvoy, and they're all good things.
2: I think trying to end on a positive note. If (laughs) if the reason we haven't had like incidental demons is because we're gonna get some awesome bear stuff, I am. I am for it. Like, in the same way that Game of Thrones, they were always like, we can't have more direwolves because we're spending all our money on dragons. I was like, all right, I, I will take this
1: trade. <laughs> it's a fair trade. Yeah, Trisha, I think that's a really good point. And that will be our question for our listeners this week. So if you are cool with not seeing as many demons, if it means bears, or if you're on side demon, let us know. Record yourself on your phone and then send us an email to nerdatrecaps at, recaps at gmail dot com that should do us y'all the show is produced by us with help from justin Bull. our executive producer is brendan Banizak, and our theme music was composed by the amazing andrew edwards of blue police box music we are at Nerdat podcast on twitter trisha is trisha bobita i am greta m johnson and peter is peter segal and you can also use the hashtag Nerdat recaps
0: you can you should
1: yes talk to y'all later